this is really a shock. One of my all-time favorites. I, I just, I, I liked his, his courage. He opened the NHL doors to generations of European players. Tonight, they joined the hockey world, and everyone connected in mourning and remembering Leafs great Roya Salming. Good evening. Salming passed away today from ALS, his diagnosis coming just a few months ago. A favorite of teammates and fans alike, his death, a sad reminder of the mortality of our heroes. Our John Musselman joins us live from Scotiabank Arena tonight, where there's a growing tribute to the hockey great. John. And Rahim, as you can see behind me, a huge uh, photo on the video board behind me. Borea Salming, forever born in 1951, died today in 2022. There are also people placing flowers uh, near his statue on Legends Row. He played 16 of his 17 NHL seasons with the Maple Leafs, and he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1996. Today, fans expressed sadness when they heard the news that Borea Salming had died. You could see him deteriorating quickly, but no one expected it to be this quickly. I was overcome with emotion. It was just a few weeks ago that Salming made an emotional return to Toronto as part of the Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. Salming was diagnosed with ALS last August, and the decline was rapid. ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, is a progressive nervous system disease that leads to paralysis, the inability to swallow, and respiratory failure. There is no cure. Former Leafs captain, teammate, and friend Daryl Sittler was in tears when he held up Selming's arms to acknowledge the crowd that night. We spoke to Sittler from his winter home in Florida today. Well, we're very sad and uh, obviously disappointed. I guess on a positive note, I think we're all blessed and fortunate that Borea was able to come to Toronto uh, a little over two weeks ago and um, be with all of us. In a statement, Maple Leafs President Brendan Shanahan wrote, quote, that Borea was a pioneer of the game and an icon with an unbreakable spirit and unquestioned toughness. He helped open the door for Europeans in the NHL and defined himself through his play on the ice and through his contributions to the community. Toronto Mayor John Tory posted this message on social media. Quote, I'm thankful he was able to be here earlier this month for such a courageous and loving moment on the ice. Salming played more than a thousand games with the Leafs from 1973 to 1989. He was one of the first players from Sweden to arrive and thrive in the NHL. How he set the standard of what it is to be a Maple Leaf and, and uh, his contributions. And Caught me off guard uh, that it happened uh, so fast, but I mean, it's a terrible, uh, terrible disease and... Uh, at least now he's not uh, not hurting uh, that way anymore. His number 21 jersey hangs in the rafters at Scotiabank Arena. His statue is also on Legends Row. Salming was 71 years old. And Daryl Siddler had told me that uh, this was the happiest Salming had been in a number of months when he was able to come back to Toronto for that All-Star weekend. Reporting live outside Scotiabank Arena. I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you. Thank you, John. Thousands of Canadians live with ALS. Later tonight, we hear from a woman who refuses to let the disease dictate her life. CTV's Mike Walker will share her story and her family's fight for a cure. I went from the second lane over, over here, and I, I made sure no was in the right lane really, really fast, and I just moved over just in time, and it plowed in the side of me. Another frightening example of the dangers of driving on our highways. The account of one motorist saying he knows he is lucky to be alive after his car was slammed by a flying wheel on the 401 today. 
CTV's Andrew Brennan is live from near the scene of this incident tonight. Andrew. Oh, Raheem, this is the latest close call that police are saying has been happening as of late on the highways around the GTA. And it would have been much more tragic were it not for the split-second reflexes of one driver. Just moved over just in time and it plowed in the side of me. A split-second maneuver that may have saved his life. OPP shared this video of the crushed aftermath of a crash on Highway 401 near the ramp to the 427 this morning. A wheel from an 18-wheeler had come off and came barreling down the road towards this car. The driver identified himself as Mark and told police he saw the dangerous dribbling debris coming straight for him. It came pulling and came off the bridge. And what happened is I just saw it at the last second. And what I did is I went from the second lane over, over here, and I, I made sure no was in the right lane really, really fast. Sergeant Kerry Schmidt inspected the truck. The outer bearing is completely gone. He tells CTV News the passenger side also had low oil. You know, that was only a, a matter of time until the oil would be gone and that bearing would heat up, eventually fail, and we'd have another wheel failure. There was another terrifying close call just over a week ago on the 403 in Mississauga. And last month, a wheel from an open boat trailer fell off and hit three vehicles. One of the drivers died. Sergeant Schmidt says while truckers have to be diligent with their daily inspections, all drivers need to double check after any mechanical work, adding today a man is lucky to be alive. It shouldn't have happened in the first place, but you look at the damage and it is incredible. Now, the OPP has confirmed that the driver of the truck is going to be charged with at least one offense, but more could be coming not only for him, but also for the truck company. The, part, the fine for this, one, uh, for this one charge on the highway safety code is $20,000 or up to for commercial vehicles. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Zoraida, we'll send it back to you inside. Thank you, Andrew. There is more chatter surrounding masking in schools tonight. Boards across the province are once again tossing around the idea of reinstating the measure following the recent surge in respiratory illness. For the Ford government, however, there is little to debate. Queen's Park Bureau reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now to explain. Siobhan. Well, the education minister emphasized today that whether to mask or not is a personal choice. You've heard that language a lot from the government the last week or so. If masks are going to be mandatory, the decision will be up to doctors, not elected officials. But at least one board in the Golden Horseshoe is hoping to uh, appeal rather to community spirit to get people back in the habit of masking. There are fewer masked faces in class, something the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board wants to change. What we're really trying to do is set the baseline um, for compassion and for care. The board now has a plea for parents and kids shared with families on Wednesday. If you are physically able and you're coming in into uh, one of our buildings or one of our schools, uh, please wear a mask. A request, not a mandate, something Felix Miller says the board doesn't have the power to enforce. If you want to wear a mask, it's good. If you don't wear it, it's okay. It's your choice. It's probably smarter, especially with the um, new virus going around. It's probably safer for everyone else going yeah. to school, the teachers and us, so might be a little smarter. The board felt it was time to ask families to mask up, given the strain surging cases of RSV and the flu are having on pediatric care. And we're seeing absences in our schools. We just feel that this is a necessary step. 
one of many, but a necessary step nonetheless in order to protect our families and to protect our staff. Felix Miller would like to see the local public health unit and the province bring back mandatory masking. Asked today whether staff and students should be wearing masks in school, the Minister of Education deferred to the Chief Medical Officer of Health. Dr. Moore noted that the province's uh, position is to respect the choices parents will make and staff will make because, you know, it's based on individual risk tolerance. Dr. Moore said last week he was considering reviving mandates for schools and childcare settings. If we had to mask up, uh, we would do it based on best evidence uh, and, and we would follow it through clearly as we go into the most social uh, time of year going indoors. I'm very concerned that the risk is going to go up for our children. But he doesn't see a return to mandates as inevitable. Right now, Ottawa's biggest school board is discussing the idea of bringing back a mask mandate. They've received some legal advice that leads them to believe that they could enforce such a thing. The Toronto District School Board says they're of the opinion that they couldn't. There's no plan to bring it back in Toronto right now. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Raheem, back to you. Thanks for that, Siobhan. Well, that triple viral threat making the rounds through our homes has one GTA city taking a tough stance tonight. Arshan Lethong reports on the new measures coming to Burlington and the reaction. Masks will soon be required once again for city staff in Burlington. Ultimately, this was a health and safety issue for our staff. We're trying to keep them safe in the workplace, and we've had a huge spike in employee absences due to illness. According to the city of Burlington, staff sick hours have increased by 43% since mid-September. It is a perfect storm right now with COVID, RSV, and the flu, and we really needed to take some measures to protect uh, our workplace. While the mayor wears a mask inside City Hall now, the mandate will start Monday, lasting for six weeks. So without the widespread use of masks, which is what we've been seeing over the course of the past, few months. That's really why we're seeing um, such widespread um, disease in our community right now. Most pandemic era mask mandates lifted last spring or summer. And Dr. Dale Kalina says this mandate will help those working in city buildings. Wearing masks, regardless of whether you have a mandate or not, we know reduces the spread of respiratory viruses. Mead Ward says the measure remains a choice for the general public. While the masking mandate is limited to city employees inside city facilities, Mayor Meadward says there has been limited pushback from outside. It is a very divisive issue. It shouldn't be. It's a public health issue, full stop. And for us, uh, requiring masks for our staff, it is a workplace safety issue, which we're mandated to provide a safe workplace under law. While there may be some who are opposed to a return to masking within the workplace, employment lawyer Laura Williams says it's perfectly legal. It's always going to come down to whether or not the measures are reasonable in the circumstances and in keeping with the employer's obligations to take every precaution. Mayor Meadward says if the situation improves, they will consider lifting the mandate before the six-week mark. Sean Lethong, CTV News. Still to come, celebrating Canada's Grey Cup champions. The Toronto Argonauts bring the coveted trophy back home to a massive crowd for the first time in five years. Well, quite a scene on our roads for much of the day thanks to that thick fog that blanketed much of southern Ontario. Billy Bishop Airport is warning travellers of possible delays this evening with advisory still in effect in parts of the GTA. Lindsay Morrison is here now with a look at our current conditions. It's foggy, but it's mild out today, Lindsay. 
It is, Zoraida, and there is still a fog advisory in effect, which we will get to in just a moment. It's the kind of night where you need to have your headlights on, and where better to be than a car dealership to talk about car headlights. We are here with the Toronto area Ford dealers helping build a toy. Mountain! Yes, everyone's so excited because uh, we're going to talk to some great friends here and get some very special presentations underway. But Glenn Van Gulick, here we are again. We're building this mountain of toys. Is there an age group that we're looking for donations? for specifically uh, that there's a need for? Yeah, specifically the gap is newborn, so zero to two years old, and then of course seven to 12. That's an age group that's sometimes tough to buy for, but um, that's an age group that we desperately need. So people can support by visiting toymountain.ca, dropping off a toy, donating online. Wonderful, and we're gonna talk about some of those donations in just a moment, but let's also talk about the weather quickly. Here's a look at where things are on the satellite and radar. We do have that fog out there. There is a fog advisory in effect also. We'll show you that. Uh, just keep in mind that this covers a widespread area of the GTA, so do take care if you're out on the roads tonight. It is going to be mild overnight tonight. Five degrees still in Scarborough, six in Burlington. Uh, temperature holding steady close to seven degrees in many areas tonight. A full look at your forecast is coming up live here from Aaron. Wood Ford. I'll send it back inside to you for now. Thank you, Lindsay. Two former mayors of Toronto are joining the critics of a potential major change at City Hall. The Ford government has proposed giving Tory and his Ottawa counterpart the power to pass key bylaws with the support of just one third of council. This is the first time that majority uh, decision making has been attacked, and I believe that's very. Uh, dangerous and needs to be stopped in its tracks. A second democratic principle is that decisions are made by the majority. Decisions on who is permitted to hold office and decisions about when a law is passed. Bill 39 throws that principle in the garbage bin as far as municipalities are concerned. If Bill 39 passes, Mayor Tory could pass bylaws with just eight councillors in favour. That's as long as the policy affects provincial priorities like housing. Tory says he will always try to build consensus and use the enhanced powers sparingly. To a CTV News investigation, the provincial government is proposing to move thousands of hectares of property out of the Greenbelt. Officials say it's to give the GTA room to grow. But as CTV's John Woodward reports, critics are questioning some land deals completed in the run-up to the announcement with PC party donors. There, how's that? King Councillor Avia Eek's family has grown food on their property for more than 30 years. They are inside Ontario's Greenbelt, land that has been protected from development. We need that natural space. We need that environment. We need agriculture. Eek was surprised to hear about the provincial government's proposed change to a nearby farm. Uh, gobsmacked would be, would be a better description. This property along Bathurst Street near Newmarket, among several that have been proposed to be removed from the Greenbelt, including part of the Duffins Rouge Agricultural Preserve, part of a suite of changes to get more homes built. Land title documents show this property has been in the hands of one company since 1958. Then, in September, they sold. The price? $80 million. That was just two months before the proposal to remove it from the Greenbelt was made public, raising eyebrows. No one would pay that kind of money for land if they weren't certain that that land were eventually going to be open for development. Corporate records show the company director is Michael Rice. Its address the same as that of developer Rice Group. That company and Rice himself appear to have donated some $15,000 to the PC party since 2014, including to Premier Doug Ford's leadership campaign. 
All that, the NDP alleged in question period this week, is a small part of a large pattern. The nine of the developers that own land being removed by the Greenbelt donated more than $572,000 to the Conservative Party. Mm. These developers bought the protected land at a very cheap price, and now, with a stroke of your pen, they can develop that land for incredible profit. Minister, how did you decide which land owned by which donor should be removed from the Greenbelt? Our province, we're in a housing crisis. We uh, made a promise to Ontarians uh, during the election that we put a plan in place to build 1.5 million homes over the next 10 years. If you listen really closely, Speaker, you can hear the sound of nimbyism coming from The provincial government didn't directly answer allegations. Donations played a role here, and the Rice Group didn't return messages. As for Eek, she worries about the proposed changes to municipal rules that would cut millions from local government budgets and wants the provincial government to slow down. Let's put the brakes on this bill for now. Let's have a conversation. We're all on side. We all understand we need more housing and preserve the farmland. She says the people who move here will need to thrive. John Woodward, CTV News. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. The province is committing new cash to help clear the backlog of cases at the Landlord and Tenant Board. Attorney General Doug Downey says the board's caseload was impacted by COVID-19 delays. $1.4 million will now be used to hire at least 35 new staff with a goal of speeding up case processing. The Ford government has already earmarked funding to address longer-standing backlog issues at the board. Action from Peel Police in the fallout of a troubling interaction with a local teen this month. Officers has used a stun gun on the boy who lives with autism, sending him to hospital. Tonight, the force says it will undergo an internal review into how it handled the situation. CTV's Beth McDonnell reports. Wearing only his underwear, Abdullah Darwich, who lives with nonverbal autism, was playing in leaves before Peel Police arrived. They ended up deploying a stun gun on the 19-year-old in an interaction his father says left him in handcuffs, bloodied and recovering in hospital. He's becoming better and better, but still has some, some psychological effects. As, uh, I mean, he's still, he's still not Abdullah. Two and a half weeks later, in a statement posted on social media, the force says it recognizes the severe impact of the recent incident that occurred on November 4th has had on Abdullah Darwich, his family and the entire community. Adding that to strengthen training, we are currently in the process of consulting subject matter experts to identify how we can better serve this community. In general, I'm happy that they start to think about how they enhance the, the system. Darwich believes training on how officers deal with people living with autism is a key to making positive change. Autism Ontario says it hoped previous training would reduce incidents like Abdullah's, especially in Peel, because police have been working to support the region's most vulnerable. The additional steps announced are great, says its executive director. However... And how are they communicating that knowledge to the community so that the, there's confidence rebuilt in that relationship between the community and the police services that says 
You can trust the police to help you in this situation. A 2017 CAMH York University study found over an 18-month period in Ontario, 16% of youth and adults with autism had interactions with police. It found while two-thirds of families were satisfied with their police interaction, in 19% of cases, physical restraints were used. 30% of the time, the person was taken to the emergency room. Each teaser, it comes with two shots. So it's six holes in his body. To protect Abdullah, Darwich put him on Peel's Vulnerable Persons Registry, associated with his address. When he got out of the house unclothed and went down the street, Darwich grapples with how officers didn't know he was on the list or check addresses nearby. Police showed up after a concerned resident called 911. Police now say... We will continue to explore opportunities to access timelier information through the Vulnerable Persons Registry and innovative approaches to alert officers of the specific needs that an individual may have. Darwich says police still need to build trust. And the main question is what I should do more to protect my son and to have him live uh, peacefully here. He says Abdullah and others like him should be safe if they're out of their homes. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. The province's police watchdog has charged an OPP officer in an assault investigation dating back to the summer. Back on July 10th, Bracebridge OPP were called to a reported trespassing incident in Georgian Bay. An officer had an interaction with the suspect who was diagnosed with serious injuries. The Special Investigations Unit has now charged Constable Scott Anthony. He faces one count each of assault causing bodily harm and assault with a weapon. He'll appear in court next month. The Deputy Prime Minister says last winter's convoy protests were causing harm to the economy and Canada's reputation. Today, Christia Freeland testified at the Emergencies Act inquiry about the pressure she faced to do something about it. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver reports. When trucks blocked Windsor's Ambassador Bridge, the U.S. president was in the midst of a protectionist push that had threatened to cut off Canada's auto sector in favour of Made in America electric vehicles. The finance minister testified today she feared last winter's protests presented Canada as a risky investment. I could see, really for the first time ever, the Americans having this amber light flashing in Canada. And this amber light that said to them, you know what? The Canadian supply chain could be a vulnerability. Concerns from the White House and automakers fearful their plants would be shut down prompted Freeland and other cabinet ministers to search for new tools to end the protests. What I was really worried about was that as this goes on, every single hour, more damage is done to American confidence in us as a trading partner and more damage is done to us as an investment destination. Big banks were worried too and wanted the government to quickly take action. In a rare Sunday meeting with the finance minister, documents show one unnamed bank CEO said the reputation at Canada is at stake. I had one investor say, I won't invest another red cent in your banana republic in Canada. That was a meaningful conversation for me and that was a very memorable 
uh, quote and for sure a spur to action. The focus now turns to the prime minister who will testify tomorrow, wrapping up a six-week inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act. Justice Rouleau will then have until February 20th to present his report to Parliament. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, Ottawa. We have seen large numbers of young people affected by RSV. Now there is growing concern for what could be the next wave of patients. Health Canada is reviewing a potential vaccine to protect seniors against respiratory syncytial virus. With RSV circulating widely, older people are at risk because immune systems weaken with age. Experts suggest wearing masks to help prevent spreading to the virus to seniors and not visiting older loved ones if you feel unwell. The federal government is spending $1.6 billion to combat the effects of climate change. What we are seeing in the last few years, not just in Canada but around the world, an increase in frequency and severity of climate-related events, and it demands action from us. Not just actions from any one order of government, but from all of us, from ev for every Canadian. The National Climate Adaptation Strategy is intended to help manage the risk of heat waves, wildfires, flooding and storms. It includes protecting coastlines from rising seas and calls for a set of codes and standards for infrastructure projects. The funding mostly tops up existing programs and will not cover the costs of major projects. After a surge in noise complaints this year, Brampton City Council is moving to ban fireworks on holidays where they're currently permitted. Right now, small fireworks are allowed without a permit on Victoria Day, Canada Day, Diwali and New Year's Eve. The proposed ban would get rid of those exceptions and the fine for discharging a firework would rise from $350 to $500. Sellers could be fined $1,000. Brampton officials say fireworks-related complaints have tripled since 2018 to nearly 1,500 this year. In downtown Toronto, the intersection of York Street and Bremner Boulevard is often referred to as Maple Leaf Square or Jurassic Park. But today, it transformed into Argo Alley. Flocks of fans came out to celebrate the Toronto Argonauts' homecoming as Grey Cup champions. CTV's Jessica Smith was there for all the excitement. The champs are here. This is the 18th Grey Cup win for the Toronto Argonauts, securing their position as the team that's won the most in CFL history. You don't win championships because of coaches or GMs. You win them because of players, right? Fans still reeling from the electric fourth quarter win in the championship game. Unbelievable. I'm still in shock. The team hoisting the trophy in front of a massive crowd outside of Scotiabank Arena, soaking in every moment of bringing a championship back to Toronto for the first time since 2017. I don't even know why they call it cloud nine. I'm on the 10th cloud. Personally, I feel like this game, this Grey Cup showed our whole season how it was. Just a bunch of ups, a bunch of downs. Fans who have been along for the ride all season long, ecstatic to share in the moment. Just like absolutely mind-blowing, so excited. This team deserves it. This team oh. really was a team this year. Yes. All of the downs, all of the ups. Um, so we're so, so happy for them. And of course the fans. The 2022 Grey Cup Games most outstanding Canadian and most outstanding player Enoch Mwamba says the hug he shared with his daughter on stage after the game was overwhelming. Thea walked on and I looked at her and I hugged her right away and I couldn't even stand anymore. Tears were falling. 
Although the team says they're still soaking it all in, they want to keep this momentum going and already have their sights set on next year. Jessica Smith, CTV News. Coming up, reframing the guidance on screen time for kids, why health officials are advising parents to remove time limits, and what they're recommending instead. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, tomorrow is expected to be the busiest shopping day of the year, Black Friday. But many sales have already started, and new data shows many of us are shopping earlier than ever. And now November is the busiest shopping month of the year. I'll have details. That story is just ahead. We are building a mountain of toys here at Aaronwood Ford. I have Dave Raymond here. Dave, this is a place that people can come down and drop off a new unwrapped toy. Yes, we want everybody to come by and bring toys. We've collected 2,000 toys every year, and we can't stop this year. We need those 2,000 toys, so please come by. Fantastic. And I understand that you and your team also have a special donation yes. to make tonight? The staff does a big fundraiser every year for, uh, for CTV. And uh, we have a check for Salvation Army for $5,000. Oh, Thank you so much, Aaron Woodford. That is fantastic. And if you would like to make a donation, make sure you share a photo with us, too. You can send them to toy.mountain at bellmedia.ca. Stay with us. We have a full look at your weather forecast coming up here on CTV News. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Well, new data shows Canadians are shopping earlier than ever, and Black Friday has overtaken Boxing Day as the busiest shopping day of the year. You've probably noticed Black Friday sales are already happening, and many will continue through the weekend until Cyber Monday. Pat Foran has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Rada and Raheem. Black Friday started as an American tradition, but now Canadians have made it their busiest day to shop, and many stores are offering deep discounts. It's really more than just one day. It's become the official kickoff to the holiday shopping season. There may be lineups outside some stores in the GTA tomorrow morning with shoppers looking for Black Friday bargains. But today at Yorkdale Mall, many said retailers were already offering up their Black Friday sales. People are actually giving early access to Black Friday this year, so you can shop prior before the Black Friday, so that's really good. Just to save some money this year at Christmas, it's a, groceries are getting expensive, so you have to be thrifty online or wherever you're shopping. Payment systems company Moneris confirmed Black Friday is expected to be Canada's busiest day for retailers in store and online. Based on Moneris' predictive data, we're expecting to see Black Friday as the reigning champion when it comes to the busiest uh, shopping day of the year, and that's in terms of total dollars spent, um, as well as transaction count. A survey by Google Canada found that 72% of shoppers are concerned about the rising costs of items, 60% plan to buy less due to inflation, and 85% will shop at stores with discounts. Although consumers are understandably uh, concerned about inflation and finances, they still are really looking forward to celebrating the holiday season and shopping. The Retail Council of Canada says stores are now rolling out their sales early and consumers can find price reductions leading up to and after Black Friday. It's really a week-long event. It's not really just Black Friday or Cyber Monday. It's really a, a week-long uh, showcase event that continues throughout the holiday season. Data also shows more Canadians want to avoid last-minute shopping to make sure they get the items they want. November has now surpassed December as the busiest shopping month of the year.
And Boxing Day remains an important shopping day for many consumers, but the Retail Council says there is one big difference. People shopping now are buying gifts for others. On Boxing Day, they're more likely to be buying presents for themselves. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. And those deals might come in handy if you want something for yourself or maybe you want a gift for Toy Mountain. Absolutely. And anytime, whether it's cold or, or warm out, it's a great day to go get some toys for Toy Mountain. Yes, I completely agree, uh, Zoraida and Raheem. Get outside, do a little bit of shopping for a good cause. And can we think of a better cause than Toy Mountain? We are live here at Aaronwood Ford. I want to bring in our friend Darcy, a very good friend of Toy Mountain. We saw you last week, Friday, for our big launch. And yet here you are again, making another very special donation to this campaign. Yeah, this is our, our second donation of the campaign, Lindsay. And uh, we're very proud to be part of the campaign, the 23 dealers in our, in our association. And uh, tonight we're, we're celebrating for, for all of them. And uh, we do have another donation. You look like Santa here with your, well, with your uh, big surprise bag here. A little bit, a little <laughs> bit. But uh, anyway, this is uh, our second donation for Toy Mountain, and it's for $20,000. And this is on behalf of, of all the Toronto Area Ford dealers. We're so honored to have you be a part of this campaign. Glenn, what can we say? Well, that's wonderful news, and a lot of children are going to have toys under the Christmas tree. A lot of weight lifted off parents. A really great, great donation. Thank you so much, Darcy. You're welcome. Thank you, Darcy. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about uh, the weather tonight, how it's foggy out there, and how we kind of need Rudolph's nose to get out and about in this fog. Let's give you an idea of just how long this is going to last. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Fog advisory remains in effect for the City of Toronto, Mississauga, Brampton, as well as over toward Pickering, and for areas a little bit north as well. Current satellite and radar shows you a little bit of the fog, also some cloud cover, and we have some wet weather on the way. As we make our way past midnight, that's when a little bit of drizzle is going to begin, and then eventually we're going to be dealing with some showers. Let's break down the timing for you. Overnight tonight, notice how there's even a little bit of snow near the Quebec border. Not so much an issue for us. Temperatures should remain mild enough for us to see showers, but there is a potential for maybe a few flurries to our north and to our west tomorrow afternoon. Then we're going to have some beautiful clearing as we make our way into the day on Saturday. So that's going to be the day to spend some time outside. Overnight tonight, we're forecasting a low of six degrees. The norm for this time of year is about minus two. So yeah, it's uh, certainly milder than normal. Into tomorrow, once again, forecasting an afternoon high of eight degrees. Not bad for this point in the month of November. Here's a look at the seven-day forecast Saturday. Great day to spend some time outside. Sunday, once again, we get into some periods of rain, especially in the afternoon. Cooler conditions in store for the middle part of next week. And when it comes to tomorrow, I just want to mention the fact that it's also going to be windy, so plan your day according to that. We are here live at Aaronwood Ford. I have some other friends here uh, to share some exciting news with us. We have Peter and Andy. You're joining us from which dealership? Colony Ford in Brampton, pr proud members of the Humberview Group. Fantastic. And what is it that you're sharing with us tonight? We are donating $1,500 towards wow. salvation. Yeah. Thank you so much. That is absolutely amazing. One more friend I want to talk with. Mike, you're joining us from where? Uh, Pine Tree Ford Lincoln in Woodbridge. Proud uh, member of uh, the R Ferry Automotive Group. And, and you brought something special for us tonight, too. Yes, we are donating $1,000 to Tory Mountain. Absolutely incredible. Thank you for your generosity, all of you. I'm going to send it back inside for you at this time, Zoraida and Raheem. What a great night we're having here at Aaronwood Ford.
Sure is. Okay, thank you, Lindsay. A new survey is ranking which provinces binge watch the most. I know you're frightened. Time to play surveyed 1,000 Canadian residents asking about their viewing habits, specifically of hit Netflix series. Respondents from Nova Scotia and PEI had the fastest view time with 4.3 days. Ontario ranked in fifth place with residents averaging 6.3 days to finish a season. Well, a recommendation tonight for parents who are monitoring the amount of binge watching and screen time for their young kids. The answer is zero. Our Janice Golding explains. It can be a real challenge to keep our children off tablets, TVs, and other devices. She's probably on it from the time she gets home from school until she's ready to go to bed. She eats with it. She, she's always distracted. She will not eat a meal unless she has that screen in front of her. It's very hard to get the device away. The kids nowadays, they just don't, they're glued to it. It doesn't matter. They get upset. But the Canadian Pediatric Society, or CPS, says if your kids have become too attached or addicted to screens since the pandemic, it's time to push healthier screen habits, advising no screen time for kids under two. We have some very good scientific literature now, brain studies, that show that the uh, that screens are not helpful for children zero to two in any way and can be detrimental to their language development, their social development and executive functioning. Meanwhile, CPS recommends no more than an hour for kids two to five. The society arguing there's harm in media use at every age since it actually impedes brain development. It's not pro-social architecture that's being built. It, it doesn't help problem solving. It doesn't help regulation of emotions, executive functioning, things that are, uh, you know, impulse control. And in fact, probably worsens things like impulse control when you get to that older age group who are gaming and doing things, you know, very quickly. While the society did not update its guidelines for older children, a review published in JAMA Pediatrics earlier this month found that after the pandemic started, screen use for kids 18 and under rose by 52 percent or 84 minutes a day, bringing it to more than four hours a day. It is worrying, but it's the only way you can get things done as a parent, right? She isn't the best at socializing. But I want, I'm not sure if that's because of the screen time or it's like the whole COVID thing. She hasn't been seeing much kids, haven't been outside of home. The Pediatric Society says while we've all defaulted to what's easiest, we should try to think of ways to help our children develop. We're going to put all our phones in a basket, we're going to turn off the TV and we're going to have conversation. And by reducing or removing screen time and replacing it with enriching interactions, kids can start to catch up. Janice Golding, CTV News. About 1,000 Canadians are diagnosed with ALS each year. Just ahead, a Toronto woman's daily determination to overcome the symptoms and the newest treatments available to patients. Today's news of the passing of Borea Salming from ALS touches a lot of lives across the GTA. Each year, about 1,000 Canadians are diagnosed with the disease. Our Mike Walker sat down with one of them tonight to hear their story. David and Jane Cubitt retired to Wasaga Beach three years ago, excited to start the next chapter of their lives. But in November 2020, Jane was diagnosed with ALS. In the first year, my speech was gone. My independence is slowly being robbed from this disease. The terminal neurological disease is progressing. Jane is losing mobility in her arms and legs. Your mind is completely still there. And uh, that is what's so relentless and debilitating about this disease. It's just heartbreaking to watch. 
According to the ALS Society of Canada, 3,000 Canadians are currently living with ALS. 1,000 people die from the disease each year. 80% die within two to five years of being diagnosed. But Sunnybrook, we have seen a spike in cases over the past few years, and it's hard to know exactly why. Some patients, though, can have a very rapid course and only survive around six months. In Canada, two therapeutic medications have been effective in slowing the progression. And just this month, Health Canada approved another oral medication. But despite decades of research, there is no known cause, nor is there a cure. We've never been more optimistic about getting closer to connecting all the dots, but we don't have them all connected yet. There's still pieces of the puzzle that are missing. And one of the main problems is we don't know in most cases why people get this disease and how exactly it progresses. The central nervous system is very complex, so it's, it's taking us more time to be able to get to that understanding. Again, when it comes to the underfunding of the disease, you know, we know a ton of things we could do that we are unable to do because we just don't have the gas for the tank. To the Ice Bucket Challenge in 2014 brought ALS to the forefront with more than $20 million in donations dedicated to research in Canada. But the ALS Society says research funding has lost its momentum, back at traditional levels of $2 million per year. It's a fraction of a fraction of a percent of the funding of most treatable diseases that goes towards ALS, and it's more complex. The Cubits are involved with fundraising efforts in their community. They say the passing of Maple Leafs legend Boria Selming after his battle with the disease is heartbreaking, but they hope more people will become aware and support research. It can affect anyone. Those three letters changed our lives forever. Mike Walker, CTV News. While children's hospitals are hit hard by RSV and the flu, COVID-19 activity in Ontario has slowed down somewhat. The province released its weekly virus update today. It shows 1,166 people are in hospital and testing positive. Daily totals fluctuate, but that's down from nearly 2,000 patients hospitalized in late October. Experts say it's still a good idea to take public health precautions as COVID and other viruses circulate. 89 COVID deaths were recorded over the last week. The provincial and federal governments are launching an effort to protect against the spread of avian flu. It's called the Poultry Biosecurity Preparedness Initiative. Poultry farmers, meat processors and related businesses will be able to access funds to support efforts to stop the spread. This year, the H5N1 strain has infected about 200 flocks with more than 3.5 million birds in Canada wide. The U.S. Department of Agriculture says avian flu has wiped out 50.54 million birds this year. That's a new record. Well, you might not be able to get a ticket to a Taylor Swift concert, but you can now rent a property she once mentioned in a song. Cornelia Street is a song from Swift's 2019 album, Lover. It mentions this townhouse the singer rented in New York City a few years back. The real estate listing says the four-bedroom, five-bathroom home is celebrity-tested with multiple private terraces. Now rent, just a cool $45,000 U.S. per month. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. 
Grab the umbrella before you head out the door tomorrow morning. We're looking at wet weather overnight, but a few showers could linger into the day. It's going to be mild, but it's also going to be windy. We're talking gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. Stay with us. Your forecast recap is coming up here on CTV News. Oh, he set the standard of what it is to be a Maple Leaf. Updating our top stories, the Maple Leafs today announced the death of team great Borja Salming. Originally from Sweden, Salming played 16 of his 17 NHL seasons with the Maple Leafs and joined the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1996. He was diagnosed with ALS in August. Salming was 71 years old. The province's uh, position is to respect the choices parents will make and staff will make. Education Minister Stephen Lecce says the province is still strongly recommending masking up, but it won't be mandatory in classrooms. The minister says he'll defer to the advice of the chief medical officer on the issue. This comes as some school boards pursue their own masking policies. It displaces person-to-person -person interaction. And there is new advice out from the Canadian Pediatric Society on screen time limits for children. Experts say babies under the age of two should not spend any time using screens at all, unless it's to video chat with caring adults. Screen usage for those 18 and under is up 52% since the start of the pandemic. On the markets, the loonie was up a fraction to 74.98 U.S. Oil was virtually unchanged to close at 77.96 U.S. dollars a barrel. And the TSX gained 61 points to end the day at 20,344. Tonight from Qatar and the intriguing tale of the World Cup trophies. From the disappearance of the original version to the design and value of the current Golden Cup. That story and more later on CTV National News. Well, take a look at this. It's a photograph of a massive wave captured on camera in Lake Erie last weekend. But it doesn't take long to notice. It also looks a lot like a dog's face. Well, we spoke with the Ingersoll man who snapped this image and got the details of how we got the perfect shot. The full story is on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. Thankfully, I don't think we have any extreme weather causing waves like that uh, in the next couple of days, Lindsay. No, not in the short-range forecast, Zoraida, but we do have a wave of generosity happening here with our Toronto area Ford dealers. John, you're joining us from where? O Oakland Ford Lincoln, a power, proud member of Auto IQ. And you have a special donation for us tonight? Yes, we have a donation of $1,000. Oh, Amazing. wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. And I also want to bring in Eric and Wasim joining us from? Planet Ford in Brampton, part of the Performance Auto Group. And your special donation tonight is? $3,000. Fantastic. Thank you so much to everyone for the generosity tonight. Uh, one more quick look at the seven-day forecast before we say goodbye. But I also just want to say it's been a wonderful night here. Thank you to all of you for helping us build a toy mountain. Back to you, Zoraida and Raheem. Thanks for that, Lindsay. And be sure to join Omar Sachidina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, National News followed by Zoraida Almond with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night. See you at 11.30.